hearts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God.
very exciting day. For 60 years, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have heard God's love and forgiveness and grace and mercy over and over in this place. Relying upon that very same love and grace of God, let us pray our confession together. Holy God, you raise Jesus from the grave and you bring life out of death. Forgive us when we choose doubt over faith, fear over courage. We admit our lack of trust in you. Sometimes we try to rely only on our own resources and fail. Forgive us when we are half-hearted and lukewarm in our commitments to each other and to the word you love. Empower us as your church to be strong in the ministry and mission to which Christ calls us, all for your honor and glory. Amen. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's steadfast love for us. As far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our sins from us and made us anew. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. As forgiven children of God, we affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let us greet one another in Christ's name.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here today. We are so glad that you are here to be with us as we celebrate our 60th anniversary as a congregation. It is so good to be together and to reflect upon God's good grace and mercy upon us over these last 60 years. I am not the founding pastor. I just want to go on record. But uh, yes, back April 21st, 1957, this Congregation first worshiped together on Easter Sunday, and uh, it has been a, has been good news ever since. So we will reflect on that in a minute. But uh, we are uh, delighted that you're with us today. We are delighted to have Dr. Bruce Porter, who will be preaching this morning. Give Bruce a round of your applause there. <laughs> Neither was Bruce the founding pastor. I just want to go on record there. So. And John Ferreira is with us today. So we're glad to have John with us this morning. And John was not the founding choir director either. Okay. But uh, we are delighted. And we are delighted to include the whole church family with us this morning. Uh, we know that many of you had to make adjustments in your schedule this morning to be here. Uh, for those of you who uh, were, are here from the 9 o'clock service, it meant you just had to put your clocks back an hour or forward an hour, and the 11 o'clockers had to do the opposite to get here, and our 10 o'clock worship service was able to come over here and be with us, so it's great to have the whole church family together. We're delighted to have Chris Evans, who is, uh, Chris Edwards, who is with us today to lead us in our contemporary uh, performance of Amazing Grace that will be later in your bulletin, so we're glad to have you and the worship team with us over from the contemporary service, so it's just all good that we can be together and worship our good Lord. We hope that you will take the time to join us after our service. We will be having a picnic, a big, big picnic, good old-fashioned church picnic out underneath the tree, and uh, Kathy will be there with all good food, so go there. We uh, recommend $5 per person. Just drop that in one of the brightly colored buckets, and uh, that will help us to defray the cost of that. But hamburgers and hot dogs, and it's just all going to be a good time. If you want to sit inside, the Campus Center is available for you to sit in there, get out of the sun, but we would love to have you enjoy the beautiful campus that has uh, been prepared so well for us by James Thompson and our Buildings and Grounds uh, Committee. So lots of good things happening, and after you have the picnic, you can give blood. We got the blood mobile out in the, out in the parking lot, and uh, we would love to have you do that as well. So you'll be sustained with your good food in your stomachs. And um, we also are delighted that we have lots of opportunities to be serving God in so many ways. We encourage you to look at the bulletin, and uh, we invite you to fill out the friendship pads, which are in the pews. Pass those along to your neighbor and note those folks who are sitting near you. Uh, reminder, next Sunday at 10 o'clock, right this very hour, we'll be having a congregational meeting just at the end of the 9 o'clock service right here in the sanctuary to elect an associate pastor nominating committee. So we hope you'll join us for that. And I believe that's all I have to say. Let's continue our worship.
Well, that was 60 years in the making. <laughs> we want to uh, celebrate uh, by doing something which uh, I think is sometimes fun to do. And that is to uh, note those uh, waves of people who have uh, been a part of our church history over the course of the 60 years that we've been here. And we're going to do that uh, very physically by inviting you all to stand. Would you please stand? And I'm going to ask you to sit by length of time you have been here at Church of the Palms. <laughs> You'll be standing for a while there, John. For those of you who have been members of this church, you have to do a little math in your head, so kind of be thinking about what proximal year you joined uh, Church of the Palms. But for those of you who have been members of this church since 2015, please sit down. Those of you who have been members of Church of the Palms since 2010, you can be seated. Those of you who have been members of Church of the Palms since 2005, you can be seated. This may take a while. <laughs> since the year 2000, if you've been members of Church of the Palms. Since the year 1995. All right, the ranks are getting thinner. All right, these are the, these are the Energizer bunnies. Since 1990s, you've been a member of this church. Since 1985. Now we're starting to stretch things out a bit. Okay. Excellent. And how about since 1980, you've been a member of this church? Wow. We've got some back here. Hey, I just noticed Don Prier is sitting downstairs for the first time probably <laughs> since 19-whenever. So, yeah, give that man a round of applause over there. Didn't know what the view was like down here, did you? Huh? Okay. Since 1975, you've been a member of this church. Please sit down okay wow we got a few more here how about since 1970 all right wow 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 so what do we got here we got anybody upstairs we've got over here excellent since 1965 you've been a member at church of the palms Wonderful. Since 1960. All right. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, now we're really going to go. Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, back there. Six. Now we go in one-year increments. Since 1959. Okay, Kurt, you're 1959, great. 1958? Got two over here? Back here? 
Still up there? And I know we got Dorothy Heritage. Dorothy, where are you? There, Dorothy is a charter member. I think our only charter member. Would you stand up there, Dorothy? Wow, 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 wow. That is great news. It is great to see everyone back, and it's great to be able to celebrate the, the waves of generations that have been a part of Church of the Palms. In 1957, the average home cost was $12,220. The average wage was $4,550. Gasoline cost 24 cents a gallon. The first Frisbee produced was produced in 1957 under the name Pluto Platter. In 1957, Sputnik 1 launched. In 1957, Sputnik 2 launched with Laika the dog. Start of a skirmish began in 1957 in Vietnam. Elvis Presley purchased Graceland. American Bandstand debuted. The Cat in the Hat was published. And the Suez Canal crisis topped the international headlines. Since then, three American leaders were assassinated, John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and Robert Kennedy. We had the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Berlin Wall was put up and taken down, the Beatles got together and split apart, Woodstock was held, Disney World was built, Watergate unfolded, and a president resigned. Three Mile Island disaster was averted, wars in Vietnam, Iraq, and Afghanistan were engaged by the United States, and we were attacked on September 11, 2001. Since 1957, we've had the invention of the internet, email, cell phones, and smartphones, which I'm not sure is a good thing. <laughs> AIDS, the first African-American president, a man on the moon, and the Challenger and Columbia space shuttle disasters. Since April 21st, 1957, when 107 people worshiped at Toll Brothers Funeral Home, these things took place in the life of Church of the Palms. Property was purchased out in the boonies on Bee Ridge Road. A new church was built, which is now the chapel in 1958 into 1959. A preschool was started. Another sanctuary was built, which is now the campus center. Ministries were begun, including ministries to, for tutoring, food pantry, and the counseling center. Another sanctuary was built. A whole bunch of other buildings were built. Our church grew to around 2,800 members. Presently, we are around 1,900 members. This congregation has called five different senior pastors and hundreds of staff. And this congregation has touched tens of thousands of people in Sarasota and the world. And the one constant through it all has been the love, grace, and mercy of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who hovers over the deep, who hovered over the deep when this congregation was formed and who hovers over the deep now and will hover over the depths of this church for the years to come that we may proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and that all the world may know him as their God. We give thanks for these things and I ask you to turn to our litany of celebration and dedication as printed in your bulletin. I invite you to read the bold type as we 
read responsibly. A community of faith conveys God's good news of love. It sows seeds of life in the soil of our hearts. This congregation has been a vehicle of God's grace, a place for growing in relationships with the Lord, We celebrate the many members of this family of faith. We remember how they have blessed us so richly. We celebrate the gift we are to one another. We give thanks for the togetherness we feel with one another. It is a day of great joy in the life of this congregation. And we give thanks for the body of Christ that we are today. In light of all that God has given us through the gift of this community of faith, Amen. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, from whom comes all that is good, we praise you for your mercies, for your goodness that has created us, your grace that has sustained us, your discipline that has corrected us, your patience that has borne us, and your love that has redeemed us. What a blessing it is to give and to share, to support the amazing work you are doing through this church, where love of you and love of neighbor have been inspiring our acts of service and compassion for 60 years. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Miss Carol. Yes, if you are visiting today and you have kids, have them come on up in the front, and then we will take them up to room 205 for a short kids' worship. So we sure had a lot of fun last week celebrating Easter. Did you guys have fun? Yeah? Oh, lots of kids. Come on back. Come on, have a seat. <clears throat> So next, what's next? We celebrated Easter last week. What's next? What do we celebrate? Right here, Kimmy, right here. You can sit right here. Well, guess what? We still have a lot of celebrating to do. Do you guys remember last week what we celebrated? What did Jesus do on Easter that we held up those big signs? Does anybody remember what it was? Cynthia. He, re he rose. He rose. We, we what was the sign that we held up? Does anybody else remember? Kara? Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. That's right. That's right. We're so lucky that we get to celebrate that, and we know that Jesus has risen. But you know what? Back then, when Jesus actually died, and then he was put in a tomb, and he rose again, all of his friends were really kind of confused. They didn't really understand what was happening. He's dead. Then he's missing. Then he's, 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 he's alive again. And you know what? Jesus' friends didn't even recognize him when he was walking with his buddies, his disciples, on the way back to Emmaus. Actually, he, he was walking right next to him and said, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they were going over all of what had happened. They, they were so confused. It wasn't until Jesus sat down with them, shared a meal, took that bread and broke it, gave thanks, and, and then, they, then they recognized, hey, you are alive. It's Jesus. You know that? It's so cool. Do you know that Christians all around the world remember <clears throat> Jesus when they break bread and have a meal together? Right. That's right. And, um, but we, you know what? And Christians, sometimes we take communion and we remember, remember Jesus in church, but we don't have to take communion to remember Jesus' love for us. So, today... Our celebration, we get to celebrate the church and all of us together we're celebrating. It is the anniversary of 60 years here as Christ believers in this church. It's pretty good. Do you know that after service, we get to go out together and share a picnic, sit down with others and have a meal? And I think there's a bounce house out there maybe? Pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, Jesus, just when we sit down with our friends to eat, Jesus sat down with his friends to eat and share a meal. He taught us that it was really important for us to share time with our friends, and, bless, and he blessed us that way. So, 
when we when we spend time together and when we eat together we are a community of love in Christ and Jesus is the head of our community in love let's pray about that dear Lord thank you for the glorious gift of your resurrection help us to always be aware of your presence as you walk beside and live with us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's go. Did you just want to come upstairs with her? So, um, we're going to sing a hymn with all of you, um, Amazing Grace. And there's a little part in the middle of it where there's, uh, there's kind of some different words. And I love the text that is added in this beautiful hymn. My chains are gone. I've been set free. It's a constant reminder of what we celebrated last week. How Jesus suffered, how he sacrificed himself so that our chains can be broken so that we can live with him for eternity. So I'd like to invite you to stand and sing with us and um, let's worship God.
I thank you for inviting me to preach on our church's 60th anniversary. It's good to greet uh, old friends, and I won't stress the word old, <laughs> but also to greet new members to see if the church is growing and thriving and is vital. By the way, I saw your signs on campus, and I want to promise you that in 20 years, I never fed the squirrels. Not once. <laughs> On a more serious note, this past week I was thinking about the founders of this church. Uh, first there were 50 and then 100 of them. And I was thinking I wish we could, they could see us now. I wish they could really see us now and all the, uh, the vitality there is here in this church. And then I, I thought to myself, you know, they really can. Even those folks that died because we believe in the communion of saints. And I believe they're watching us today, and they're cheering for us, and they're encouraging us from the great halls of heaven. The scripture lesson for this morning is from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, the 19th through the 31st verses. It's one of the several actually many appearances of Jesus to the, to the uh, disciples after he had risen. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands, and they showed him his side. And the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said it to them again, Peace be with you. 
As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I can see the marks of the nails in his hands and put the finger in the mark on his side, I will not believe. Now, a week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace, peace I give to you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't doubt, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. So ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. And now, O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to Thee, our strength, and our Redeemer. Do you know what the Sunday after Easter is called in the Christian tradition? It is called Low Sunday. After the bumper crowds and the trumpets and the hallelujahs, we all get down to earth. It's reported that one pastor said to his congregation on Easter, if you want to see the empty tomb, come next week. <laughs> now that's not true of us, of course. Although in anticipation, we have sort of consolidated our services for this Sunday. However, the letdown is not simply a matter of numbers, it's a matter of spirit. It's hard to stay emotionally charged the week after Easter. We have to criticize ourselves and say, you know, every Sunday is a little Easter. We really ought to be able to keep that spirit going week after week, right? Well, no. The early disciples weren't able to do it immediately after uh, Easter Sunday. They were not dancing around in the streets and shouting the good news the hours and days after Easter, at least not at first. They were not oozing with joy. At first, they didn't know what to do or what to say. Nineteen times we read they were scared or they were frightened. Seventeen times they were doubting or disbelieving. Luke tells us, that the women told the apostles that Jesus had risen, and they thought it was just an idle tale. What do women know anyway? <laughs> the scriptures we read this morning had 10 of the disciples gathered in a locked room. It was a locked room because they were afraid for their lives. And seven days later, we read about doubting, doubting Thomas, one of the 12, 
who had not been there before, and he said to those disciples, unless I can really touch the wounds on Jesus' hands and the wound on his side, I'm not going to believe. Only four times do we read that the disciples were full of joy. And so Jesus kept popping up, as it were, saying, peace, shalom. That wasn't just a greeting. That was encouragement to a terrified bunch. Now, I wonder if some of us need that same sort of assurance from our Lord on this Sunday, or maybe on some other Sundays when we are half-believers or tired believers or afraid believers. We have three fears. The first fear is this one, that Christ is dead. The second fear is the fear that our sins are greater than God's, given, than God's forgiveness. And the third one is that the church and those we love can't receive new life. Let's look at the first one. Is there any terror, that's, that, any possible terror more great than to believe that Christ himself perished? That he lies moldering in the grave and that's the end of it. John Paul Richter, that German writer, had this ghastly vision of the dead Christ coming back as a vision to him in a dream, just to say with faltering voice, with tears coming down his eyes, that he'd made a mistake, that there was no father who kindly cares for us, and that we must shift ourselves as best we can, but the universe is vacant. That's awful. The Apostle Paul thundered, you know, if Christ is not risen, then our whole faith is vain. It's, it's absurd. It's meaningless. What is at stake is just everything. And there's not much sense in us gathering together and singing with good spirit if Jesus is dead and he's not with us. The living Lord is the center of our faith and our life or we have nothing. Do you know the strongest proof there is of the resurrection? It is Christ alive in the souls and the minds and the spirits of the church, of us. There are probably lots of sermons last week that talked about a rock rolling away in an empty tomb, but that doesn't prove anything. The clincher is the reality of Christ living in us, his people, the church. There has never been a dead in memorial line for Jesus. In the first congregation I served, they had a communion table that was given by a nice old soul, I'm sure. However, written in the script in the back of that table were these words, in loving memory of Jesus Christ. That won't fly. We don't remember Jesus just from yesterday. He's a presence. Remember how all those 11 fearful disciples later on became brave people. What caused that change? They began as cowering cowards and became martyrs with songs on their, on their lips. They died for their faith on crosses. They were torn apart. They were garroted for Christ. Every one of them with the exception of John, and he was arrested and sent into exile. Those early Christians, including the Apostle Paul, didn't march halfway across the world to outlove, outlive, and outsell the rest of the world for some hoax. As you see, it's been going on for 2,000 years. We who are Christians are witnesses and believers that our Lord lives today. Without the resurrection, there would be no church, no disciples, no Christians, no ringing faith, and no 60th anniversary. 
We don't explain the resurrection. The resurrection explains us. And that's why we have been here at Church of the Palms these 60 years. And remember, we're just a kid as churches go. David Livingston, the missionary to Africa, said, The only thing that has kept me going through all these years is Jesus' words, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And Albert Schweitzer, that, that brilliant theologian and organist and missionary, he called Jesus a presence that meets us at, along every shore. So every time we commit ourselves to him, or every time we love a neighbor, he lives in us. Some years ago, Solomon B. Freehoff, a, a prominent rabbi from Pittsburgh, made this amazing statement. He said, the consciousness of the presence of God has come to millions of men and women through Jesus. He is still the living comrade of countless lives. No Muslim ever sings, Mohammed, lover of my soul. Nor does any Jew say of Moses, the teacher, I need thee every hour. Just so. I was thinking this week also back on those early years when I was in Pittsburgh in senior high and we were singing from that, that red, that little red youth hymnal. I, I would sing the song to you, the chorus, but I'll spare you that. <laughs> but the lyrics of that song are just what I'm saying. The chorus went, he lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Christ says to us, peace. Blessed are those of you who didn't see, didn't see the marks on my hands or the wound in my side, and you still believe. That's you. We have a second fear on low days, and that's that our sins are greater than God's forgiveness. The disciples knew about guilt and forgiveness. They knew it quite well. When Jesus was arrested, you remember Peter, he denied his Lord three painful, cowardly times, and all the rest of them ran off to their rabbit hutches. Only John showed up at the crucifixion with the women. So when Jesus appeared, appeared again, they had a lot to answer for. And we know, too, about guilt. I know a person who, when asked, how are you, says, I'm perfect. He smiles, of course. I hope so. <laughs> None of us can pass muster by shouting at the top of the voice, our voice, I'm perfect. We've all fallen short or missed the mark. Because the church, you know, is not a museum for plaster saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. Mark Twain said once, man is the only animal that blushes or needs to. <laughs> and Groucho said, I'd never join an organization that would accept me as a member. But we do. We in the church do. And that's why in every worship service we admit our tragic failings and give the promise of Jesus that our sins are forgiven. That was Jesus' charge to the disciples. When he breathed on them, it was a charge. Tell them, tell the world that there is forgiveness with God. Those were the marching orders. Tell them. We need to tell too. God forgives. The problem in our low days and long nights is that we still wonder if God's love is, is stronger than our failings. We rehearse our shame and forget Jesus' promise. 
almost the last words on the cross were, forgive them. And that was not just an offer to Jerusalem. That was an offer to the ages. Jesus is still a friend of sinners. There's no sin so great that God won't forgive unless you happen to be a person who thinks you're okay. Some time ago, I saw a cartoon in a religious magazine showed Jesus on the cross, and Jesus was saying, if I'm okay and you're okay, what am I doing here? <laughs> there's little room for the self-righteous. Barring that, there's no doubt so grave that Christ will turn his back. There's no defeat so lasting that, that Christ will give up on his grace. There is nothing so terrible that can't be forgiven. He is in our midst today. And he says, peace, rejoice that the Lord is Lord over sin. Now there's a third fear, that Christ will, will not give life to the church or give life to those we've loved and lost a while. That's a great fear. Notice how it says when Jesus came to the disciples, he breathed on them. What does that remind you of? How about the creation story? And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living person. New life. Now, what chance would you have given under any circumstances that those 11 men and a few women could overcome Rome and overcome the established religion that hated them? What chance would you have given? Even later on, the early Christian group would be hammered by Rome, persecuted and martyred, yet they not only survived, they revived. Well, a lot of folks today are worried about the Church of Jesus Christ. They say it's waning. They have their chins in their chests. Certainly some mainline churches are losing members, including our Presbyterian denomination, by the way. Still, we need to see, need to see the big picture. Christian churches are booming in Africa and Latin America and Asia. In the year 1900, Christians were 9% of the African population. Today they are 44%. Explosive growth is beginning in China. At the current rate of growth within 30 years, 30% 30 of the Chinese population of 1.5 billion will, will represent a large part of their, 30% uh, uh, of, their, of their population. Not long ago, they were officially atheistic. Do you know where the largest Presbyterian church in the world is? Seoul, South Korea. Mayung Sung Presbyterian Church has 100,000 members. They support 172 missionaries, and they have seven worship services every Sunday. These churches you see on other continents may be sending missionaries to North America before long. <laughs> then closer to home, Timothy Keller and his wife moved to Manhattan in 1989 to establish a church there in what is America's classic secular place. If you attend there, as I have, you are surrounded with young professionals and young artists. Today, Redeemer Presbyterian Church, which is largely traditional in faith and practice, has 6,000 regular members at five services as in planting other congregations. But the vitality of our Christian church here and beyond is not just a matter of numbers or mega churches. The vast role of missions 
by small, average churches and even struggling Christian churches is amazing. They are alive. Imagine, if you can, that all the steeples could be struck down in Sarasota and the influences of those churches on nonprofits was eliminated. What a different place this would be. We and they are giving bread to the hungry, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, caring for the prisoner, teaching the children, supporting the farm workers, helping the homeless, and on and on it goes. If it were not for the local mission causes of the churches, many communities would simply collapse. There's a vast Christian network of volunteers. Some years ago, I visited Marble Collegiate Church in New York. In their fellowship hall, where they offered coffee to people and where people signed up to serve on committees for the community, there was a sign in big letters. The sign said, you may be the only Christ that some people will ever see. You are the only Christ that some people may ever see. Jesus is breathing life and reviving congregations, including this one. Also, in our low moments, we begin to doubt that Jesus uh, can bring life uh, to those we have, who have died and we've lost a while. Sometimes we lose heart and we give death most, more than it's due. I hear folks say in discouragement, I think when we die, we die. I can't believe in a life to come. I wonder if I'll know my loved ones again. It's not enough, you see, that we repeat every Sunday, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. We need to hear Jesus say to us, in my Father's house are many rooms. Surely we must trust him to overcome our doubts. Let me give you a sort of parable. Do you know where that small founding members of the Church of the Palms first met? You heard it earlier. Sixty years ago, they gathered together, a hundred of them, in a funeral home. A funeral home is where they met. It's sort of like the Easter story. You remember how at Easter, how some women were lovingly going to the grave? They were bringing spices to embalm a dead body, and they were weeping. And Jesus surprised them and broke free from death. Well, Church of the Palms began in a place where for six days, the bodies and ashes of those who died were treated with respect and memory. But on Sunday, every first day of the week, our small congregation of 50 or 100 gathered there to rejoice and celebrate the resurrection. A little Easter. Trust our Lord who says our Father makes us new. Some 14 years ago, at, a at my retirement service here in this sanctuary, the president of Princeton Seminary, uh, Thomas Gillespie, told this story. He said a man was visiting Washington, D.C. for the first time, so he hired a cab driver to take him around and to show him the sights. Among those places was the National Archives building. Engraved on that building were the following words. What's past is prologue. The man asked the cabbie, what in heaven's name does that mean? And the cab driver said, it means you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> the best is yet to be. 
I think that's true of the Church of Jesus Christ and of this church and also of our future in heaven. You ain't seen nothing yet. Be of good cheer, says Jesus. Peace, Jesus lives. Peace, Jesus forgives. Peace gives us new life. Amen. Once again, we invite you to come after the service, after the benediction response in the postlude, to join us out underneath the tree for a good old-fashioned church picnic. We'll enjoy ourselves and rejoice in our history and in our future. 
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore, world without end and life without end. Amen.